If you've missed any of the Beatitudes series that we've been studying, do find them on the website. I don't know about you, but I think they've been fantastic. And and it's really been good also in our small groups. We've looked at the Beatitudes as well. And I don't know, I can only speak from my life group's perspective. But it's been a really great time um, where we've been able to discuss what we've perhaps been talking about on a Sunday. So I'd really encourage you um, to look at that. For those of you that read ahead, you'll know which one I'm looking at today. Maybe. The song is a clue, actually. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. In the Amplified Version, it says, Blessed, anticipating God's presence, spiritually mature, are the pure in heart. Those with integrity, moral courage, and godly character for they will see God. The message paraphrase says this, You're blessed when you get your inside world, your mind and your heart put right. Then you can see God in the outside world. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. As with the majority of these Beatitudes, they've been in two parts. And so the first part this morning is that pure in heart. And it's very much looking at a heart issue here. What does pure mean? Now, I don't know what this says about me, but it conjured up lots of advertising to me. Um, You get pure water. The fabric softener we use at home is called Comfort Pure. You can get pure spread that's dairy-free. You can also get pure maple syrup, Yum, on pancakes particularly. Not at the moment, obviously, because we're in Lent. Pancakes are gone. Um, You get pure metal, so pure silver, pure gold. And if you go to Italy, you get amazing pure olive oil. I'd encourage you to try it if you haven't had the chance. In the dictionary, pure says it means free from anything different, inferior or contaminating, Free from extraneous matter, pure, clear, free from blemishes. And then looking at, turning to the thesaurus, pure can mean it's authentic, bright, classic, natural, perfect, plain, real, simple, transparent, true, unadulterated, pristine, purified, refined, wholesome. When we look at pure, or in terms of purity, I don't know about you, but the bar seems pretty high when we've looked at all those words. Later on in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus takes it further, and he gives us new standards of living in terms of holiness. It was said in the Old Testament, you shall not commit murder or adultery. In turn, Jesus says about getting angry and lusting in your mind. It requires the same judgment. It can sound quite harsh, can't it? So he says, blessed are the pure in heart. Impossible. So it would seem. But this pure element is linked to our hearts. What are the core, deep motivations of our hearts? What drives us, inspires us, fills us? And to check your listening, 
I want you to pause and think this morning, right now. What are the core motivations of your heart? What drives you? What inspires you? What fills you? What motivates you? In the well-known story of the prodigal son, or as the well-known theologian N.T. Wright puts it, the story of the running father, which I love. Both the younger and older sons have wrong heart motivations. And because of that, they're blinded by the true nature of the father. They do not see him for who he truly is. The young son, on the one hand, gives his heart away to the wrong people and instant self-gratification. The older son's heart issues different. It's the one of doing the right thing at the right time, but perhaps at the cost of living and truly loving. Perhaps the same could be said for us. When our hearts are not in the right place, it clouds and interferes with how we see God. There's a great insight from Stuart Garrard in his book, Words from the Hill. These beatitudes are not about striving. They are announcements of how God works, where you'll find him, what it looks like, where he is. This is also about giving ourselves a break. Hallelujah. Lifting our heads up, not staring at the ground in shame, or trying to be pure, or striving to be clean. Another question for you to consider today. Can you see God? Would you like to see more of God in your life? Your family, your community, your home, your workplace. Can you see God? I hope so. Now hopefully, Gary, you've got um, some pictures up there for me. They're not working. You have to use your imagination. Right, I'm going to carry on, and if it works, it works. So, for many of you, you'll realise it's been World Book Week, World Book Day this week, and you might have seen children and grown-ups dressed in very interesting costumes. Um, And this book came to mind when I was preparing. So, I'm going to read it to you. There were pictures on the screen, but you'll have to use your imaginations, and you look like an imaginative bunch, so you'll be fine. I find it easier to shut my eyes because then you can think of it easier, but up to you. So the book is called The Heart and the Bottle by Oliver Jeffers. Once there was a girl, much like any other. And in fact, I could do it teacher couldn't I? So you can come closer if you want to. <laughs> Whose head was filled with all the curiosities of the world with thoughts of the stars, with wonder at the sea. She took delight in finding new things. She's paddling there. She's drawing a picture and going to give it to someone. Until the day she found an empty chair. Feeling unsure, the girl thought the best thing was to put her heart in a safe place, just for the time being. So she put it in a bottle and hung it around her neck. 
And that seemed to fix things at first. Although in truth, nothing was quite the same. She forgot about the stars and stopped taking notice of the sea. She was no longer filled with all the curiosities of the world and didn't take much notice of anything other than how heavy and awkward the bottle had become. But at least her heart was safe. It might never have occurred to the girl what to do had she not met someone smaller and still curious about the world. There was a time when the girl would have known how to answer her, but not now, not without her heart. And it was right at that moment she decided to get it back out of the bottle. But she didn't know how. So she's shaking it up and down to try and get it out. Then she's using some pliers to try and get it out. That doesn't work either. She couldn't remember. She's getting the hammer out to see if she can break it out. And nothing seemed to work. The bottle couldn't be broken. It just bounced and rolled. Right down to the sea. But there it occurred to someone smaller and still curious about the world that she might know a way. And it just so happened. So the smaller person has a small enough hand to reach inside the bottle to get the heart out. And she did. The heart was put back where it came from. And the chair wasn't so empty anymore. But the bottle was. Children experience everything. When you're sad, you're sad. When you're angry, you're angry. Happy, happy. And there's a number of teachers here and they, and parents, so we all know that. But somewhere along the line, there is that time when a child gets that uncomfortable feeling and they decide to push it down. And it happens to almost all of us, doesn't it? But it's at that point we enter that world of true self and false self. What people see on the outside doesn't always match up to what's going on on the inside. In today's world, there are so many external pressures from friends and family to the media, projecting supposedly perfect images of what we should be like and the desire and motivation to have a comfortable, easy life. Wouldn't that be nice? No wonder then that this can cause us to have a divided heart, like having a foot in two different camps. It can lead to that feeling of being pulled in two directions, being pulled apart. Jesus called the Pharisees out, time and again for divided loyalties you're hopeless you religious scholars and pharisees frauds you burnish the surface of your cups and bowls so they sparkle in the sun while the insides are maggoty with your greed and gluttony stupid pharisees scour the insides and then the gleaming surface will mean something we need to bring what is in shadow what's in hiding into light but it's into God's marvellous transforming light Amen He's in the business of restoring hearts from a divided place to a position of wholeness 
And it's from this place of being pure in heart that we can see God. It's through this process. But there's that tension of holding the bag of life that we have, the messes, the challenges, the joys, and the opportunities. And we surrender it once again to that running father, into his hands. He does not ask us to be perfect, praise the Lord. He asks us to give our hearts to him. And in turn, we get transformation. A good deal, I think. God calls us to have a childlike heart. Young children often don't care what others think of them. That is demonstrated at our Sunday morning gatherings very frequently, which I'm very pleased about. But it also reminds me of our holidays in Cornwall. We go there at least once a year, and it is our very favourite place apart from here. And quite frequently, when you're on the beach, you'll see enthusiastic children getting there. And they are in such a rush to be involved in the sand, the, the rain, the wind, the sea, that they just strip off and they're starkers. They want to be involved and they do not care a jot what anyone thinks. In those moments, what's on the outside is definitely the same as what's on the inside. I'm sure you've all seen similar moments. Jesus said, Let the little children come to me. Do not hinder them. For the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. Jesus urges us to be more childlike in our faith and in our hearts. I'm not suggesting we all go running around starkers, but um, being genuine and authentic is always a good starting point. God's asking us to come simply, honestly, authentically, being utterly transparent with him, surrendering the whole of ourselves. We can do this by finding God in each and every present moment. And it's in that moment, by connecting to God, we connect to something far bigger. We sung this morning, he is here. He's in our hearts. We take him everywhere we go. When we shift our focus, the Psalms say it so well. I lift my eyes to the heavens. Up to the mountain. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the maker of heaven and earth. It shifts our perspective from just me to God, you are there and you're in control. I know we all need to hear that. A simple phrase to encourage your childlikeness if it's perhaps buried deep down and you can't find it. Speak, Lord, I'm listening. God will always have something to say to you. Now, when I was preparing this, I thought it'd be good to find someone in scripture that models this. Who, who could I find? And the character of David came to mind. So David's in the Old Testament. He was one of Israel's kings. But he didn't start out as a king. He started out as a shepherd. So the prophet Samuel, he goes to anoint the next king of Israel And he looks at all the brothers in the house of Jesse. And they went into having lots of sons in the Old Testament. And so he looks at the oldest. God says no. And he keeps going down the line. And in Samuel's mind, all of these would have made great kings. 
But God says no. And there's no one left. And God says to Samuel, the Lord does not look at things people look at. People look at the outward appearance. But God looks at the heart. And so it's because of David's heart that he's anointed the next king of Israel. From first outward appearance, David wasn't the best choice by human standards. God sees past the external things and goes straight to the heart. But what I find so encouraging is that David's lifetime was littered with poor choices too. Adultery, murder, deceit and lies. And they're the ones that are just written down. Imagine the ones that weren't written down. He went through seasons where his heart was divided, where he struggled to see God and his presence in his life. Where he followed selfish motives rather than God's plan. That's an encouragement to us, I think. But what changed this? Many things, but I think a childlike heart was a factor. David turned back to God, shared openly and repented. He said he was sorry. And he thanked God for being God. Did David always come in repentance and thanksgiving before God? No. But there were beautiful moments that led him to being called a man after God's own heart. God doesn't ask David or us to be perfect. Jesus was the only one. Instead, he asks us to give our hearts And in turn, God will give us transformation. To end with, I just want to read the lyrics of a song. They're a bit like a prayer, really. So I'd invite you to shut your eyes if you find that helpful. The song is called Undivided. I thought I had to cover my weakness, my shame. I held tight to my religion thought I had to earn my grace but you are bringing to remembrance the things that I forget the sacred curiosity of becoming undone no more fake personas no more false perceptions all you ever wanted was me with childlike eyes of wonder and a heart that's undivided I'm beginning to see you So I come into the clearing to dance with perfect peace. It's safe here to unravel. It's safe here to be seen. So with all my imperfections, I will rise and I will shine because I'm not afraid of shadows when I'm held by holy light. No more fake personas. No more false perceptions. All you ever wanted was me. Now, with childlike eyes of wonder and a heart that's undivided, I'm beginning to see you. Now, I see you everywhere, because you are everywhere. Winter, spring, bitter, sweet, you're here with me. Now I see you everywhere, because you are everywhere. Winter, spring, bitter, sweet, You never leave. Father God, we thank you that you're the running father.
and that you chase us down. I pray that you'd help us to give all of our hearts to you this morning. And if we feel that they're locked up in a bottle, may you help us to get our hearts out. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.